1: but it kind of made me who I am today. Wyoming has it all. Breathtaking hikes, kid-friendly museums, two of the coolest national parks in the country. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Quick heads up, this episode contains a couple of swears, also some graphicish, or at least kind of weird sounds related to medical procedures on animals, and a brief mention of suicide. Saying all that makes it sound worse than it actually is, but if you know those sorts of things are not for you, then you know what to do. Okay, on to the show. Hey, everybody. You're listening to Outside In. I'm Nate Hedgie. I've been spending a lot of time lately in Alaska's capital city, Juneau. It's a hip little town full of coffee shops and cool breweries. But it's also surrounded by epic waterfalls, towering green cliffs, and tens of thousands of acres of wilderness. So it can be a dangerous place to run around in the woods. Kipper learned that the hard way. Here's his best friend, Barbara Berg.
2: Normally he's pretty good off-leash, so they were out Fish Creek and he found a porcupine. <laughs> He's a terrier, he's a cairn terrier, so he was charged right in there and came back with a face, but a mouthful of quills, and uh, so he's getting uh, Can I stop?
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm recording Barbara in the waiting room of Juno Animal Rescue. It's a somewhat drab looking building alongside Glacier Highway. There are about a half dozen other folks here with their dogs and cats. Kipper got his face full of quills the night before, but despite hours on the phone, Barbara couldn't find an open vet anywhere that had the space to treat him. So he wound up here.
2: He spent a pretty uncomfortable night out in the garage on his pile of blankets. And then today I started calling around.
3: It's hard when they're not feeling good. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: To be clear, animal shelters are more like orphanages than they are emergency rooms. They're not designed to provide serious health care. Juneau Animal Rescue can't do x-rays or blood work or most surgeries. But they can dequill dogs and perform euthanasia. And here in Juno, they've become the last stop for desperate pet owners. That's because even though there are 32,000 people here and literally thousands of dogs and cats, right now there are only five full-time veterinarians in Juno. that number's been shrinking.
4: So
0: we have a seven-year-old Karen
3: Terrier. A little
1: entanglement with porcupine. That's Jocelyn Andrea. She's got an armful of tattoos, a dry sense of humor, and she works as the veterinarian technician here, which is kind of like a nurse. She does all the support work for the rescue's lone vet, a part-timer named Tracy Ward.
3: Some of the dogs will try to pick up the porcupines and, like, shake them and everything. Um, And then you're stuck pulling them out of the... You know, out of the mouth, under the tongue, in the tongue. Um, usually, if they shake them, they get quills over their chest and the longer haired
1: dog... A single porcupine can have up to 30,000 quills hiding behind long guard hairs on its back. And each one has these microscopic barbs that face backwards like a fish hook. So they slide in easily enough, but then they're really painful and tough to pull out. Jocelyn has spent as much as two-and-a-half hours digging for quills from a dog.
3: As so you can see, they're in pretty deep.
2: <laughs>
1: An animal in the wild can die from a face full of porcupine quills. They can't eat, they can't hunt... For pets, though, quills are rarely lethal. But if a piece is left inside, it can migrate, pushing deeper, sometimes into a dog's organs, or its joints, or even its brain. So dequilling is a really important and meticulous job. Jocelyn thought she had gotten them all out, but then she swept her finger over Kipper's nose and felt something sharp. Oh, fuck. Is there one deep in there?
3: Yeah. Yes, there is. Hey, Ward. Oh, man. That
2: might need to be a cut down. No, 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 no. No one move. Because I don't want to do a cut down on her nose, because they bleed so bad. If you can avoid it, I see it.
3: I see it, too. It's right there. go really slow.
2: Traction. It's coming. Don't
3: touch it. Okay. There
2: you go. Oh, good job. Yes. You are the best tech ever. Alright, awesome.
1: Kipper's situation worked out okay, but there's no guarantees. Over the past couple of years, Juno has lost roughly half of its vets. This means it can take several weeks to get an appointment, surgery is scarce, and there's no 24-7 emergency care. So if your dog or cat has a serious medical emergency, there might not be anybody available to save it. This isn't just an Alaska problem. Across the country, there's a growing shortage of veterinary care. The turnover rates for vets and vet techs are higher than physicians or even nurses. So today on Outside In, we're shadowing the folks at a remote animal rescue to see firsthand what happens when a small, isolated town can't find enough vets. And we'll try to figure out why they're disappearing in the first place.
0: A veterinarian can only work so many hours a day before they're exhausted and they have to turn people away.
1: I can't do it all. There, there is a limit as to
5: what I can do. If we burn ourselves out, we can't help anybody.
3: Can you throw a warmie in please? I can. I do.
1: No Dr. Tracy Ward and Jocelyn spend most of their Tuesday mornings in surgery, fixing stray cats and dogs. On the day I visited, they were inserting an IV into an older female cat. And it wasn't going great. All right. Oh, okay.
3: fucking A. Well, it's, it's blowing
1: a little bit. We'll just see how it goes. Okay. Um, the pressure is on, because they both know that these animals don't have many other places to go.
3: Here's the thing is that I'm, I'm the only... Sh- pony in town. So if I <laughs> mess up, no one's coming to save me, you know? Kind of like if Dr. Ward slips and falls and breaks her head on her way into the surgery room.
1: We're right. all kind of screwed.
3: We're all kind of screwed, yeah.
1: Juno wasn't always like this. A few years ago, the city had about a dozen veterinarians and a big clinic that offered extensive on-call emergency care. But then the pandemic hit. A couple of vets retired, others moved away. That big clinic with the emergency services closed. And in Juneau, recruiting new vets is really tough.
2: You know, it's remote. It's a difficult place to get to. Um, Housing is expensive.
1: Not to mention the winters are dark, wet and icy. It can be a hard place to live. But it's still Alaska's capital city, and the demand isn't going anywhere. And getting care isn't just about the pets. It's also about public health. Vets give vaccines that help prevent disease outbreaks of things like rabies, and they perform surgeries that help control populations of stray animals. The day I shadowed Tracy's team, they were holding a public vaccine clinic. They're by appointment only, on Tuesdays, and their schedule was full. They had something like 40 cats and dogs that needed vaccines and quick health checkups.
2: We're we're literally booking the appointments every eight minutes.
1: That's a new patient, every eight minutes, for five hours. One of the first clients is a kitten, got some quick snuggles.
2: Oh, you're brave.
1: Then Tracy went right to work.
2: Eyes, ears, nose, teeth.
1: A snappy physical exam.
2: Listen to his chest palpate his abdomen for any lumps, bumps, abnormal.
1: Then she gave him his shots. Okay, baby, Hulk. Put some goop on his fur.
2: Oh, we are kitten. And you said do worm right? Then
1: Kitten was out the door. Eight minutes. Next, a Malamute puppy. This dude was a fluff ball. But as soon as they picked him up off the floor and onto the examination table, he turned into a monster.
2: A bit of a yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> he eventually calmed down, got his shots.
0: Oh my goodness, hello buddy.
1: Out okay. the door. Eight minutes. <laughs> In a way, these pets are facing many of the same problems that human patients do. They're not getting enough face time with their providers to do preventative medicine.
2: So like normally if I was at a private practice and this dog came in, I would be talking to the owner about, you know, thank you. Is she on puppy food? Um, Is she on a high quality diet? What kind of socialization are you doing? Um, Are you planning on having your spade?
1: And these are just the puppies, the healthy ones. For older dogs, there could be a serious issue right underneath the surface. Like, there was this spaniel that showed up, and Tracy could tell immediately that something was off.
2: His eyes are a little bit buggy, um, which may be normal for him, which if his owner was here would be easy to ask, um, but it also can be a sign of, of under um, underactive thyroid.
1: She doesn't have the ability to run blood work there, or the time, so she gave him the shots.
3: Good job, buddy.
1: Eight minutes. 40 cats and dogs, one afternoon. This is triage for a town that can't find enough vet care.
2: We're not getting to talk to the client. We're not maybe picking up some some little things that might not be immediately obvious, some of those kind of things. It's, a, it's, a, it's definitely a trade-off and it's stressful for me. And um, we have to remind ourselves that we're providing a different service that right now is probably more important.
1: Jocelyn and Tracy were busy doing vaccines, I went on a quick tour of the rescue with Juno Animal Rescue's executive director, Sam Blankenship. She took me to this room where they were housing a litter of kittens. Look at all these guys. So one, two, three, four, five, six of them?
4: Oh, you're climbing up on me. Four, five, six, yeah.
1: You want my cords? Not, you want me? I'm not a climbing tree, You're know? pooping on me, oops. That's okay. I was not okay. And it took a long time to wash off afterwards. I mean, lucky they're cute.
3: Hi, your toes are so tiny. So tiny.
0: So tiny. Hi.
1: Cute. But there are also way too many of them. The irony about a vet shortage is that the fewer vets you have, the more you'll eventually need. And that's because when people aren't able to easily get their animals fixed, it can lead to a boom in the local population of strays.
0: Cats breed like rabbits. (laughs) Cats breed like cats.
1: Sam told me they've had double the number of kittens this summer than previous summers.
0: We're seeing ramifications of the last few years of people not having access to uh, any spaying and neutering or
5: low-income spaying and neutering on a regular, steady basis. And we're seeing this
0: explosion of animals, specifically cats, in Juneau.
1: All of these kittens will eventually get fixed by Tracy and Jocelyn before they're sent out for adoption. So what are you doing right now?
3: Um, Shaving his testicles. (laughs) Shaving and prepping the testicles.
1: That was Jocelyn. They spent a few hours that day spaying and neutering shelter cats. This one was only a few weeks old. He was zonked out of his mind and on drugs, and he's about to get neutered
2: neuter in the cat is a pretty quick procedure Um, it takes us a few minutes basically just ligating the vessels that supply blood to the testicle and then removing it completely
1: what's ligating mean sir
2: oh sorry so tying it off so that the um, it can't bleed Um, and then we cut off cut off the testicle and return the stump back into the sack, we leave that open to heal. Um, Male cats can breed numerous times a day um, and can be responsible for, you know, literally Dozens of litters of kittens in a breeding season. Wow. So, just neutering one cat, I, we always say, oh, we just prevented a bunch of kittens here today. <laughs> um, okay.
1: Because there are fewer and fewer actual vets in town, the rescue is going to start offering spay and neutering services to the public on a sliding scale. They want to temper this explosion of new strays, but there's only so much they can do with limited time and money. I mean, they can only pay Tracy to work part-time, even though she often puts in extra hours for free. Her boss, Sam, is very aware of how stressful this job can be.
0: And so we really try and keep each other in check and say, no, it's your day off, go home. We'll take care of this, we'll manage this. So we really try and still still have guidelines, right? Because otherwise, if if we burn ourselves out, we
5: can't help anybody.
1: Burnout. It's a word we've heard a lot. That's coming up next after the break. But first, have you experienced burnout in your job? How'd you handle it? Shoot us an email at outsidein at nhpr.org. We'll often share your stories in our newsletter and on the podcast.
0: What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island?
5: There are new episodes out every Thursday, so subscribe, please, and
1: listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Outside In. I'm Nate Hedgie. Burnout. It's got to be one of the most popular buzzwords since the beginning of the pandemic. It's actually a clinical term, according to the World Health Organization. They define it as a syndrome caused by, quote, chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. This word burnout helped fuel the so-called great resignation. We've seen people quit all sorts of careers, from teachers to restaurant workers to vet techs and veterinarians. Krista Miller is one of the ones that didn't quit. She's a vet in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and she's definitely struggled with burnout. Says it hit a peak during the pandemic.
4: We were slammed because every cough, every sneeze, everybody thought their pet had COVID and Between the number of appointments that were coming in, the protection of your staff trying to work curbside, it was a lot and it was overwhelming and it definitely led to burnout.
1: A recent survey found that almost 90% of veterinarians have felt burnout at one time or another. They can also have really high debt to income ratios because of expensive student loans. Then there are some, like Krista, who struggle with being marginalized at work because of their race. Only 10% of vets are people of color.
4: One day I'm facing, you know, normal things like compassion fatigue, and tomorrow I have to deal with walking into the office wondering if people really like me and if my skin tone really matters. So it can definitely be a lot of up and downs as a veterinarian of color, let alone just being a veterinarian, period. Now,
1: I don't know if you caught this, but Krista mentioned a phrase. Compassion fatigue. It's a close cousin to burnout, but it's more specific to industries where people deal with pain or death every day. Veterinarians, they have all the stresses of a medical field. And they routinely put old or sick animals to sleep. After a while, they might start feeling numb or helpless or have doubts about how good they are at the job. Krista remembers this one dog came in. It just needed a routine heartworm test. But then it suddenly went into cardiac arrest. She gave the dog CPR, but she couldn't save its life. And it died.
4: And the client thought it was my fault. This dog came for a heartworm test. I'm not even for sure what happened between the front door and the test and how we got to CPR. So those things sometimes will make you second guess why you took the job, how did you end up in the profession. You start thinking that you're not good enough, and that you're a horrible vet.
1: These thoughts, along with the stress, long hours, and a lot of student loan debt, can sometimes lead people down really dark alleys. Studies show that veterinarians commit suicide at a much higher rate than the rest of the country. And around a quarter of all these suicides were caused by overdosing on pentobarbital, a drug commonly used to put animals to sleep.
4: Sometimes it can get overwhelming and you just need a mental health break and I think with that movement, you know, becoming forefront that, that veterinarians are like, yeah, I do. I need a break sometimes, a real one.
1: <laughs> this is why there's been this big push in the field for better work-life balance, especially after the pandemic. It's something Krista has embraced.
4: I can be mom, I can be Dr. Krista, I can be Auntie Krista, whatever I need to be. Um I really try to make a conscious effort to be a be a part of other things and disconnect myself from the everyday hustle of being a veterinarian.
1: But this often means reducing hours or not answering every single worried phone call. Which is why Krista thinks that the lack of veterinary care in this country isn't necessarily because of a worker shortage. Instead, she thinks vets are just setting healthier boundaries, prioritizing the kind of work-life balance that reduces the risk of burnout, compassion fatigue, and ultimately, suicide. A recent survey found that more and more veterinarians are actually willing to switch jobs or even take a pay cut to work less grueling hours. This works in a big city like Baton Rouge. There are emergency clinics, dozens of doctors to see. As a pet owner, you've got choices. As a veterinarian, you've got people to cover for you. But in rural or remote communities, the push for a better work-life balance can have immediate consequences for both the pet owners who can't find care, and for the vets who stay behind and try to make up for the shortage themselves. To me, it seems like a real high-class problem. This is Sam Smith, one of a handful of veterinarians in Juneau. I met him on a Friday morning, working in a cold, damp barn at a farm called Swampy Acres. You know, you should be privileged, You, you are privileged, you should feel grateful. Uh, to have so much work and have the opportunity to to practice your trade and and make money i think people should be more in just about every worker shortage there always seems to be people who want to say nobody wants to work anymore what happened to work ethic and you know, that's sam smith you yeah, know ain't no free lunch never has been never will be uh you know yeah have i missed a few
5: parent teacher conferences and soccer practices and whatnot and soccer games for the kids sure that's normal um That's normal. I got to work.
1: It might seem harsh. And maybe it is. Especially given that 60% of veterinarians are women who don't all rely on their spouse to take care of their kids like Sam does. But you can also see how a guy like Sam could wind up feeling this way. He's up in Alaska. He can't get enough help. He can't even get a vacation without spending the thousands of dollars to fly a relief vet up from the lower 48 to cover him. When I interviewed Sam, he had just spent the past few hours on his knees, pulling teeth from geriatric miniature horses.
5: This one's mouth is an absolute wreck. It's a
0: wreck.
1: The one he was working on was so skinny, his nickname was Skeletor. And the sound you've been hearing while we talk is the sound of a wet pair of pliers slipping over a molar as Sam tries to rip it out.
5: Really, I want to get the last molar out of there. I just don't know how to access it. it off. I did, but it's continued to
1: grow. Sam regularly puts in 60 hours of work a week. He misses moments in his kid's life. So if he's frustrated, it might be because he's overworked and doesn't often admit it. I can't do it all. There, There is a limit as to what I can do. I can't be on call
5: 24-7 for every disaster, I need to, you know,
1: handle what I can, and and uh, I'm at my limit, but it's okay. Skeletor started to hit his limit after about 30 minutes with those pliers in his mouth.
5: We're close.
1: Eventually, the tooth popped out of the socket.
3: <laughs> I've got it out. It's just, like, stuck back there with his mouth. So tiny
0: then I gotta try to figure out how to get it.
5: Got it. About time, huh?
3: Yeah, it's okay my knees my knees are taking a beating too everybody.
0: Where's your knee pads? In the truck. <laughs> In the truck.
1: I think what's happening with vets and really a lot of Americans right now is that we are rethinking how much we want to push ourselves. What are we willing to sacrifice? What can we sacrifice for work? It feels like a major pivot from that rise and grind trend that I witnessed over the past decade, since at least the Great Recession when good-paying jobs were scarce. Right now, they aren't. So vets can be choosy about the clinics, the hours, even the towns that they work in.
2: Okay. Do you want me to feed the baby kitten? Just feed the new
1: Excuse me. Back at Juno Animal Rescue, Tracy is supposed to be taking her break, but instead of eating lunch, she's feeding milk to a tiny two week old kitten named Smudge. Hi.
4: <laughs> Look at that face.
3: She's so cute. We've, um, it's
1: like a little robot the way she moves. She looks Hi, like her. she's baby. like a little stuffed animal.
4: Baby.
2: So now the thing we have to do after we feed kittens this small, um, don't pee and poop on their own without, um, because normally their mom would lick them Mm. after they eat. So we have to take a little um, baby wipe and stimulate him to go to the bathroom.
1: So the licking, when a mom licks a kitten, Mm -hmm. it's to help them stimulate to go to the bathroom.
2: Correct. Yep. And just kind of give him a little, little stimulation back here. Oops, there's the poop. Come on. Come on, baby. Mhm. Here you go. So, so one of the less glamorous parts of being a veterinarian. Good kidding.
1: There was a clock above the door and it was ticking closer to the end of her break. It looked like probably for not the last time, Tracy was about to miss her lunch. Outside In was produced this week by me, Nate Hedgie, and edited by Taylor Quimby, with help from Jessica Hunt, Justine Paradise, and Felix Poon. Rebecca Lavoie is our executive producer. And a very special thanks to everyone who spoke to me for this story, including Andy Nelson, Karen Wood, Jordan Bales, Diana Moon, and Megan Griffin. Music in this episode came from Blue Dot Sessions. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Outside In is a production of New Hampshire Public Radio. Thanks for listening.
5: There are new episodes out every Thursday. So subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind.